we were lucky enough uh, that Mary gave Conchita three signs when the warning was going to be approaching us. So she predicted, now this is the 1960s. So the first thing she predicted was a synod. So now there's been many synods that have happened, obviously, since the 1960s. Um, but uh, my, my personal feeling is this, this current synod is unlike anything that's ever happened before. I've, I've, none of us have ever seen a three-year uh, constructed synod. Uh, so it's unique in that. And then also, I think the agenda for this synod is, is going to be very controversial. So uh, to me, it stands out in time as, as, as the synod that I believe that Mary was talking about. Now, one of the most interesting things she said was it, it would be when communism returns again. So people immediately questioned this in the 60s and 70s and said, how can it return when it's, it's right here? It just hasn't gone anywhere. So obviously we saw the, uh, the breakdown of, of what was Russia at that time and, and communist Russia. And it, it doesn't take a genius to look around today and see how the effects of communism have worked themselves back into society, especially here in America. And the third uh, clue was very distinctive. She said that the Pope would go to Moscow and when he returned, there would hostilities would break out in Europe. So that's a clue that's unmistakable to me. What if I told you that there was a prophecy from heaven that time was to be suspended and all the people on the planet at the same time would experience a view of their own soul as God sees it. They would be convicted of their sins and see their gravity. And what if I told you that one of the signs that is predicted to come right before this to give an indication when it's going to happen is that the Pope is to visit Moscow, something that he's never done since these messages were first revealed in the early 60s. And remember that Pope Francis said that after visiting Canada, he was going to visit Moscow. So that could be the precursor sign that we've been waiting for. This might sound unbelievable, I know. But believe it or not, Padre Pio, the great Saint Padre Pio, was a super fan, a believer in this prophecy in Garabandel. That's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show with Glenn Hudson, none other than the greatest spokesman on this issue for the primary seer, Conchita. And also we're going to take a look at some of the clips of a film done about Garabandel called Garabandel Unstoppable Waterfall. Take a look. Verdaderamente Garabandal para mí constituye un hito dentro de las apariciones marianas desde el punto de vista profesional médico. La cantidad de médicos que aparecieron en Garabandal y estudiaron a las niñas, pues es que fueron muchísimos. Pero antes quizá empezaríamos diciendo algo sobre las protagonistas. Los protagonistas de, de Garabandal son cuatro niñas de 11 y 12 años que vivían en esta zona aislada del norte de España, la zona montañosa, y que por ese aislamiento tenían una edad que probablemente era inferior, quizá tuvieran ocho o nueve años de edad psicológica. Tuvieron, se dice que entre dos mil y tres mil apariciones, acompañadas con éstasis muy prolongados. 
de incluso 6 y 7 horas de duración. Todo esto, unido a fenómenos extraordinarios visibles, hizo que vinieran muchísimos médicos y también, ya digo, pues teólogos. Glenn, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, John Henry, for having me. It's a, it's a great honor for me. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay, so let's back up from the beginning. What is Garabandel, and what were the visions there? So Garabandel is basically a small town in northern Spain, and it's quite remote, uh, to the point where in the 1960s, uh, when the Blessed Mother appeared from 1961 through 1965, this is a town so small that they didn't even have electricity, didn't have a television. Um, and it's it's amazing. Uh, people always ask me, why, why would Mary pick such a remote place to have uh, apparitions of such a great importance? And, and I remind them that, A, the entire town is Catholic of about 300 people, so that's nice. Um, and with that, it's the only town that I know of and the only apparition that I know of that has a 500-year history of doing a nightly rosary. So the mm -hmm. devotion to Mary and the rosary is is amazing. I, I don't know of another town that uh, I've read uh, that has that. Um, and one of the most special things is that during the apparitions, the Blessed Mother actually told Conchita, God loves this place. It's sacred ground. So that's pretty amazing that she, God actually singled out Garabandel uh, to have these apparitions. And Mary's uh, mission, if you will, over the four years was not only to instruct people on how to live their daily lives, because really, that is the most important part of Garabandel, is what Conchita said, is living the message. It's not so much about the things that are uh, prophesized, but it's how to live your daily life. And she said, just lead a good life. And she gave them daily examples of, you know, how to live. And then also, as the girls started to mature and understand more, she eventually gave them the prophecies of three events in the future. Uh, one is called the warning, which we've talked about. One is called the miracle. And the third is called the conditional chastisement. You are the person who takes care of the Facebook page for uh, Our Lady of Garamadel. Tell everybody what that is, if you would. Uh, basically... I had worked at the New York Garabandel Center with Joey Lamangino and Conchita. And um, after being there for about two years, uh, Joey made me the director of public relations. And, you know, I would go out and speak publicly about the apparitions. And several years later, uh, I had the idea to uh, move the apostolate onto Facebook because of its popularity and global reach. And I decided to start an English page 
But the what I wanted different is not just a page of information. I wanted it to be interactive so that you could ask me a question and you'd almost immediately get an answer. Um, and that started to grow and grow. And then um, I kind of received the message last year to expand it. And so now I post in 14 languages on Facebook uh, a daily message so uh, that people around the world can ask questions and get an answer in the same day. And um, it's it's going great. Okay. So who were the girls you're speaking about? What were their names? And what were their ages as well? Okay. So the main visionary is Conchita Gonzalez. Uh, she's age 12. Uh, then you have her At the time. This is back in 1961. This is 1961. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Uh, her current age is 73. Uh, her cousin is Jacinta Gonzalez. Um, there's a Mary Cruz and there was a Mary Lowley. And now uh, uh, all except for the last uh, person, Mary Lowley, all three are still alive. Mary Lowley passed away in uh, 2009 from complications from lupus. So you mentioned um, the warning, the miracle, and the conditional chastisement. These were messages given by Our Lady to the children after she told them about how to live a Catholic life. So go through that, if you will, one by one. What is the warning supposed to be? Okay. So the warning is this. The, the world is getting so bad that God is going to actually suspend time on a particular day, and during that suspension of time, he's going to allow you to see your soul as he sees it, complete with all of your sins. So this is um, unique because most people think that, you know, I lead a pretty good life. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I'm pretty good. I, you know, I'm going to go straight to heaven when I pass. And and God sees things, obviously, a lot different than we do. He sees the littlest sins. The thing we don't understand is we don't understand the gravity of even the littlest sin, the, the littlest offense as he sees it. So he's going to show us all of your sins and the gravity of each one. Now, some Catholics have said to me, well, I've gone to confession and I don't have to really worry about those past sins. And, and I try to gently correct them and say, Conchita told me all sins. And the reason for that is I asked them, explain to me, how does God see the difference of you using foul language and you uh, killing someone? Well, the person doesn't know how to explain the gravity because we don't understand how God sees these things. So the warning is going to show you all of the sins and the gravity that God sees it. Now, also, that event is going to start with some type of explosion, I guess, in the sky. Conchita, as a 12-year-old, described it as two stars it looked like two stars that were colliding. So maybe it's two stars, maybe it's not. Um, she wasn't very specific as to was it actually two stars. So I try not to tell people look for two stars colliding. It could be something that resembles it, like I said, because this is a 12-year-old. And, and this uh, warning is meant for a correction of conscience for all of us. And even to the point where it's going to show you 
omissions of sin. So a sin of omission is when you had a chance maybe to do something good and, and purposely didn't. So that's something that will surprise people, I think, uh, when they encompass this whole event. Now, okay, so this is fascinating. For one thing, I think there have been movies and television shows based on concepts like this, because I think what you're saying is the whole wide world will experience this at the same time? Yes. Okay, so so that brings up a, a ton of questions. So if the world all goes through this at the same time, what about people driving? What about planes flying? That's been in the movies. You know, there's some kind of world event where everybody sees the same thing or goes into unconsciousness or whatever they go into. Planes crash out of the sky. People get into accidents on the highway, etc. Is there any explanation for that? Yeah. Uh, uh, with your thinking and these people are thinking in only human terms. We're not mm -hmm. thinking in God's terms. And, and nothing is impossible for God. So um, I'm sure he's taken all of that into account. And if mm -hmm. everything freezes, there really won't be any accidents. It'll, oh. it'll be to us. It might seem as a, a momentary second where we experience this and we really don't know how long it's going to last time wise because it's God's time, not ours. But I'm sure mm -hmm. he's taken into account every every possibility of safety. Um, so I, I'm not really concerned. Right. Well, definitely, if you're going to have to go through all your sins, I'm going to take an extra long time. So everybody be waiting. Um, but because this sounds so unbelievable, I want to just go back to Padre Pio. So Padre Pio, I think for most of us today is an acknowledged saint. It was so painfully obvious that he was holy, that he was close to God that he saw people's souls. He was able to tell people their sins in the confessional when they forgot them. Unbelievable stuff. Tell us about Padre Pio's devotion to or belief in or faith in the messages of Garabandal. Because they're so, it sounds like out of this world incredible, their credulity is attacked. You know, this does sound like the stuff out of science fiction movies. So let's hear about Padre Pio. Well, to hear about Padre Pio, you need to just back up a little bit because it really entails the involvement of the life of Joey Lomangino, and that's how Padre Pio became involved. Um, Joey Lomangino uh, is about 16 years old. He's working for his family business after school, and uh, he's driving a truck and he's getting a flat tire, so he stops to fill up uh, the tire, and the tire explodes, and the rim hits him in the forehead and crushes his forehead and severs all the olfactory nerves so that he immediately goes blind, loses his sense of smell, and he goes into a coma. And this happens on June 27, 1947, uh, uniquely on the feast of um, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. He wakes up July, in July on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So this is interesting. So his life always evolves around a Marian uh, celebration. Um, so now he's in the family business, but in a somewhat limited role because of the loss of his sight. And one of his uncles decides to take him to Italy for a vacation. And while they're there, he says, you know, Padre Pio is saying mass at six o'clock. Why don't we drive up to San Giovanni and 
we'll we'll go listen to mass. And Joey goes and he said, you know, while we're here, why don't you go to confession? So now, you know, Joey's a grown man in his early 30s and he goes to confession to Padre Pio. And when he's done, uh, Padre Pio says, is that it? And Joey says, yeah. And Padre Pio goes on to tell him a litany of things that he forgot to mention, whether he did it on purpose or not. And Joey is breaks down crying in the confessional. And he says, don't worry, Joey. You know, in time, you're, you're going to be OK. Don't worry. So two years later, uh, he returns to see Padre Pio again with his uncle. And during this visit, after confession, uh, Padre Pio comes over to him and touches him on the forehead and blesses him. And his sense of smell instantly returns, which is physically impossible because he has no nerves. They've been severed. And Joey actually jumps back because he hasn't smelt anything since he was 16. So, you know, Padre Pio assures him, you're going to be okay, you know, take it easy. And and Joey asks him at that time, I understand that these apparitions are happening in Garibandel, Spain. Should I go there? And he said, sure, why not? So Joey goes to Garibandel with his uncle, and that's when he meets Conchita and they become friendly. So the great thing for the apostolate is, first of all, you have one of the greatest living saints ever that's undeniable uh, because he could read souls and there are many stories where uh he actually bilocated to garabandel uh, conchitas has you know this has been recorded in in books that he bilocated there so this is something that he's really involved in and he was very vocal about his opinion uh it wasn't only joey lamangino that he confirmed the uh, validity of Garavandel too. He, he did it to many people. Um, if you come to my website, you can see the litany of, of quotes that I have. Um, but he always supported Conchita and always supported the apparitions during his life. And, and this is probably one of the most telltale signs of his belief in Garavandel is that on his deathbed, he bequeathed to Conchita of all people in the world he left her his personal rosary, um, the one of the veils that covered his face during the uh, his wake, and um, he also left her one of his bloody gloves and part of a bandage, so for her to have, and and she has these things, um, so that's a pretty good confirmation that he wanted this legacy of his belief to continue uh, by get, extending these gifts to Conchita after his death. Wow. Okay. So we've got the warning and the, the miracle, which actually precedes the warning or, or launches it off, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then comes this uh, possible chastisement or conditional chastisement. What's that supposed to be? So the conditional chastisement is basically God is giving us the warning to correct our conscience. He's going to provide the miracle back at Garabandel at the pine trees where the Blessed Mother appeared. And that is a confirmation saying, OK, whether you doubt what I told you with the warning, whether it was true or not, you didn't imagine it. Here's, here's a miracle that's undeniable. And, and Mary told Conchita, this will be the greatest miracle God has ever performed. So you have the warning, you have this backed up by the miracle. Now, if the world doesn't repent and change, 
then we're facing this chastisement. Now, the first question I'm always asked is, what's the time span between the miracle and the possible chastisement? And that we have no answer for. So it could be weeks, could be months, could be years, could be decades. Uh, we, we have no idea. The point is, the whole world really has to get on board and, and see their sin and, and change and repent. Now, the little bit that's been written about the chastisement in Garabandel, uh, I have two quotes from Conchita and Mary Loli. And Conchita said, it would be worse than being enveloped in fire from above and below. So that's, that's pretty horrendous. And what Mary Lowley saw, she said, I saw rivers change to blood and fire fell from the sky. So those are pretty, pretty horrific descriptions of what we may be facing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and this warning, excuse me, this miracle that you said is in the pine trees. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, basically, it's going to happen in that uh, in the vicinity. Uh, I, I would assume above the pine trees uh, in the sky, mm-hmm. because it's it's going to be visible for everybody. And when you say so, this will be in Garabandal, Spain. Yes, it'll, but, it'll be in Garabandal. And it'll be like a standing miracle, just staying there. Yes. So now it's a it's actually a two stage event. So Conchita described it as basically some type of miraculous event and again i'm i just have to assume it's above the uh, the pine trees in the sky so everyone can see it and then that's going to last she said for about 15 minutes and then god's going to leave a permanent sign for eternity and this will be uh, uh this will be televised um because i've already spoken to uh, ewtn when mother angelica was alive um, we, we met her several times and, and she was a big proponent of it. Um, so I know that at least EWTN will, will probably televise it. And then I'm going to do the best that I can to convince major media uh, events to uh, stations to televise it. And I think hopefully they will if they experience the warning, you know, and the miracle. And obviously the Internet is, is uh, going to uh, carry it. Obviously. So. Okay, how is this then related to the Pope going to Moscow? Okay, so now uh, we were lucky enough uh, that Mary gave Conchita three signs when the warning was going to be approaching us. So she predicted, now this is the 1960s, so the first Mm -hmm. thing she predicted was a synod. So now there's been many synods that have happened, obviously, since the 1960s. Um, but uh, my, my personal feeling is this, this current synod is unlike anything that's ever happened before. I've, I've, none of us have ever seen a three-year uh, constructed synod. Uh, so it's unique in that. And then also, I think the agenda for this synod is, is going to be very controversial. So uh, to me, it stands out in time as, as, as the synod that I believe that Mary was talking about. Now, one mm-hmm. of the most interesting things she said was it, it would be when communism returns again. So people uh, immediately questioned this in the 60s and 70s and said, how can it return when it's, it's right here? It just hasn't gone anywhere. 
So obviously we saw the uh, the breakdown of, of what was Russia at that time and, and communist Russia. And it, it doesn't take a genius to look around today and see how the effects of communism have worked themselves back into society, especially here in America. And the third uh, clue was very distinctive. She said that the Pope would go to Moscow and when he returned, there would hostilities would break out in Europe. So that's a clue that's unmistakable to me. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty it's very interesting that no pope has yet gone to Moscow uh, since 1960. So that's a very, very definite clue. And of course, because Pope Francis has said that after Canada, he was going to Moscow and he's already completed the Canada trip uh, and just the Kazakhstan one just now, this might be very soon. The synod you speak of, the Synod on Synodality, is ending in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, and so... We do have these signs with with COVID, the lockdowns particularly, we saw a reignition of a type of communism, which I think most people thought was extinct. So it, it is very interesting. There's also one more really providential thing, at least for me. Um, the reason why we're talking was because LifeSite made an error. Uh, we did a show and we had mentioned about Garabandel, I, I don't know that much about it, or didn't before. And uh, it was mentioned that um, the the um, visit of the Pope to Moscow would herald the coming of Antichrist. But then we got a message from yourself uh, about how, no, it wasn't about the Antichrist, uh, it was about the warning. And that was funny because I didn't get your message directly. Uh, it came in to, I'm sure, somewhere on staff. But meanwhile, on my end, uh, I was contacted by a friend who is into all these things who said, you should interview Conchita. She's still alive. And I kind of said, well, you know, sure, that would be great. No contact information there. That's that's likely not going to happen. And then you called. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, that that's quite the... Um, I love how God works. He, he works uh, often through people's foibles, and that's great because I foible a lot. But um, yeah, a, a beautiful intro to you. And uh, when we first talked, it was it was great for me. And um, obviously, LifeSite apologizes for the error, but God uses errors for such great things. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention that at, at no time uh, during the Garabinell apparitions uh, was it ever said that th the name of the Antichrist or the, the term Antichrist was, was ever used. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's all. Um, that may be part of another apparition or some other information, but at least at Garabandel, it was never mentioned. So it's interesting, though. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming you may have talked to Conchita about such things, uh, because one of the general lines of, of sort of prophecy is, is about end time prophecy and what that entails. And obviously it entails Antichrist. But this seems to come before all that. Um, and then there's a debate among people who are into Catholic prophecy of what's coming. Some people say there's like a minor chastisement first, then we have a, an era of peace, perhaps connected to what Our Lady of Fatima said, when the consecration is done, there will be peace, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And perhaps then after that comes Antichrist and all of those things that the scriptures talk about at the end of time. So 
Have you ever had a talk with Conchita about such things? Well, we again, I've, I've known her for 30 years. So a lot of my conversations with her were early on when I was trying to learn and, and also trying to be respectful and, and not uh, pester her with a million questions. Uh, that's how we've remained friends so long. Is I, I don't bother her all the time anymore. Um, but um, the interesting thing about Garabandel is it, it was somewhat limited in the time span of of facts and events. So it only really goes up to the time of the conditional chastisement. Um, there really wasn't any prophecies of the time period after that. So it's really hard to comment on what's going to happen uh, you know, at the time period of the chastisement or possible chastisement or a, a reduced chastisement. Uh, and then what happens after that? Because I don't have, there's no information from Garabandel prophecies that speaks to that. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. I do want to learn of what the church has officially said about Garbandal, because I know that, you know, they've, the church regards Fatima as an approved apparition. Mm -hmm. What's the status of Garbandal? Okay, now this is another interesting and, and a little bit of a long story. So I, I need to give you a little bit of history. So I'm actually going to go back in time so that you understand what happened with the first bishop, because most people have never heard this story. In 1931 through 33, the Blessed Mother appeared in Spain in Ezquiaga, and she appeared to a seven-year-old boy and I think an 11-year-old girl. And literally almost the same thing happened where she gave them talks on how to be better in life. And she talked about a miracle and a possible chastisement. So this is in 1931 through 33. At that time, though, in Spain, there was like a political civil war. And at this time, the socialists wind up taking over. And what they did, well, you know, what, what they do is they try to minimize or crush religion because it keeps people, gives them hope, as opposed to put all your faith in the government. So they went after the Jesuits immediately and disbanded the Jesuit orders and even killed some of the Jesuit priests. And they ordered the church to condemn Garabend, uh, to condemn Esquiva at that time. Now you fast forward to 1961, it's 30 years later, and here we go again. Now we have four young girls saying they've seen the Blessed Mother, she's given messages, and the first Bishop Fernandez, he was only there for about a year or so, from 61 through 62 before it changed. And he doesn't want to deal with this headache at all. He has no interest in proving it's, uh, you know, uh, truth or not. So he constructs a, a commission with the sole purpose of shooting down the apparitions. So he appoints a priest, a couple of doctors, and what they do is they start this investigation. But the interesting thing is, 
the girls are never interviewed. So how is this valid? Their parents are never interviewed. So whose testimony are you collecting? The first thing the problem is. The second one is that the, the priest who is assigned to oversee the case resigns. He's so convinced from the testimony from the girls and the daily miracles that he's witnessing, he only, in good conscience, he, he can't stay on as the commission head priest. So he resigns. Now, talk about funny. Later on in life, he actually becomes the bishop of Santander. And in 1987, he starts his own commission. But this, this is so bad, this commission, that not only does the priest resign, the two doctors actually take Conchita away from her home to a beach town and try to get her to, you know, re redact her, her testimony. And when she won't do that, one of the doctors tries to hypnotize her. And as the doctor goes to hypnotize her, the Blessed Mother appears to her. She goes into an ecstatic state and hears nothing. Um, they were so they were so uh, upset with Conchita. They cut her hair off. She had very long braids. They cut her hair off because I thought her hair had magical powers. These are the people that are making the decision on Garibaldell. Um, other things where the civil guard, the the brigadier general of the civil guard, who witnesses these events every day. It's his job to protect the girls because of the influx of people now coming to Garibandel. He's witnessed so many things. He actually writes a letter and calls the commission a farce because they're obviously ignoring all of the daily facts that are coming in. And the most telling thing about this first commission, it never sends a report to the Vatican. So now the Vatican is like, how are we supposed to make a judgment when we don't even have a report, all we hear is completely different, conflicting stories about Garibaldell. And, and that all changes uh, later on when Conchita visits the Vatican. So even, even of recently, um, one of the bishops, uh, Zamora, visited Garibaldell twice, did mass there twice, and kissed one of the crucifixes that Mary kissed uh, at the apparitions. So that that shows you that the times are changing and and the views about Garibandel. There's so much more information out about it now, and the truth has come out over the decades that I, I believe that they're a little bit more open to it. But is the um, 1987 inquiry still going on? That is still an open file at the Vatican. And um, if you'll allow me, I'll tell you about Conchita's visit to the Vatican, because I think it's an important oh, part um, of what, what's going on. Uh, Pope Paul VI is so intrigued by all of this, he basically wants Conchita to come in. And there's a lot of resistance from the, the, uh, the church in, in Santander about letting her go there. And he basically orders her to come to the Vatican. She's interviewed for two and a half hours by Cardinal Ottaviani, and he's so convinced that she's telling the truth that he blesses her and sets up a private meeting with Conchita, her mother, and a friend, uh, Dr. Mede, who traveled with them to Rome, a private audience with the Pope. When he's done questioning Conchita, he says to her, Conchita, I bless you. And the whole church blesses you. 
So now, during that conversation that they had, Conchita reveals the date of the future miracle to the Pope's private secretary who tells the Pope. So the church is in an awkward position. They don't want to really embarrass the bishops of Santander, uh, which uh, oversees Garavandel. So they say basically, well, let's be prudent. We have the date of the future miracle. If we wait till it comes and it happens, then we can certainly approve it. And that's kind of the position of the church right now. Um, there is an official a clarification that was made. Uh, so there's three types of rulings that uh, apparitions fall under. The one that Garabandel falls under is called non-constat supernaturalitate. That's a mouthful. Um, and what that means is they're not sure if the uh, if the apparitions are certain or not. So there is obviously there's a ruling for yes, they're certain. No, they're not. Garabandel falls under the third. They're just going to say we're not sure right now. And they're going to wait. But I think that that middle one also suggests that they don't offend the faith. Is that not right? Yeah. I, I, like I said, they, they're not. Of, uh, well, the, I think they're af also afraid of not offending the Blessed Mother <laughs> because there were so many physical miracles that were seen there uh, that confirm her, her presence that are undeniable. You would be offending her. But they also mm -hmm. don't want to embarrass their own uh, bishops. If, if you can, tell us a couple of those uh, miracles that perhaps stand out. As you said, there's very many of them, but just give yeah. us a couple of examples. Well, the first one is that, again, these girls are 11 and 12 years old. And um, while everyone hears parts of a rosary, uh, they don't know the rosary. And the girls start, the first thing Mary teaches them is the rosary. So while they're in this ecstatic state, they start repeating the rosary and people are amazed. Like they, they know that their daughters hadn't memorized it. It was impossible. So the first mir little miracle is they know the rosary and all of the mysteries. The second thing is, remember I told you they some doctors were brought in. So these doctors were brought in to, um, you know, show that these were fake apparitions. But every test they did wound up proving it. So, like, they started calmly by just pinching the girls when they were in an ecstatic state and nothing would happen. Well, let's stick them with a needle. They stick them with a needle. There's no reaction. When that doesn't work, they go to the extent of trying to burn them with a match. That has no effect on the girls. Then two men can't pick up an 11-year-old girl while she's in an ecstatic state. It's like she's bolted to the ground. Then the girls have these ecstatic flights where they can, once they're in uh, ecstasy, uh, their eyes are always focused upwards towards Mary. And they can walk through this rocky mountain cow path and, and terrain Never looking down. I mean, I've got pictures of, you know, the area, the huge rocks. I'm not talking stones. These are rocks. Never, never a twisted ankle. No one ever falls. So they can travel forwards and backwards and at night, never looking down at the ground, which which is amazing. Um now, somebody had commented to me, oh, walking backwards, that's that's a demonic sign. I said, read the stories. I said, learn the facts. The facts is 
they were backing away from the church doors where the tabernacle was exposed. So not to offend Jesus, they 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 walk backwards at certain times. Um, other things that happened, Mary allowed a Polaroid to be taken by Conchita. We have a picture of that. The only apparition I ever heard of where Mary's voice was actually recorded for a brief time. Uh, the girls had asked her to speak, and she said, no, I won't speak. And that was actually caught on tape. And the girls ran it down the mountain. They played it once in front of a group of people. And then as more people started to come, they rewound it, went to play it again, and it didn't play. And that was the last time it was heard. But it was heard twice. So that, that's the only time I've ever heard that. Um, priests tried to trick Mary by dressing in civilian clothes or having women accompany them to the apparitions to it, so they looked like a couple. And Mary would be able to point out to the girls that, you know, this is my son, he's a priest. Um, one of the most amazing thing is, as obviously as the apparitions grew more popular and people actually believed Mary was there, they wanted uh, sacramentals kissed. So they would put out large tables and people would pile on rosaries and wedding rings and, and sacramental items. And the girls were able to, uh, even though the rosaries became entangled, they would just pick it one apart. It would come right out. Mary would uh, venerate it and they could walk through the crowd and give it back to the person who owned it, never looking at them, always with their eyes on Mary. Wedding rings were the same thing. They could return wedding rings to the proper people. Um, and probably the greatest sign, undeniable, that Mary was there is she, Mary, Conchita said, listen, we, you know, we need something really big to convince these people because some of them still doubt you after all of that they'd seen. So Mary says, in 15 days, uh, the Eucharist is going to appear on your tongue while you're in an ecstatic state. So the 15 days goes by, and then Conchita kneels down. She goes into an ecstatic state, and there's actually film footage and still photos of an illuminated Eucharist on her tongue, as Mary predicted. So that's just some of the things that happened. Crazy. So last question for you, because I know, um, you know you've got to get going as well, Glenn. But so you know Conchita. There's there's another couple of the of the now older ladies still alive. Mm -hmm. What are what are they doing? They're they're living. I presume they're living Catholic lives and and so on. But what what are they thinking about the times we live in? What did they think when we hit COVID? Did they see in that something of what they were expecting in terms of the pre signs, if you will, for the warning? Yeah, now um, I'll, I'll cover all three girls that are still alive. So Mary Cruz, really, uh, unfortunately for her, her parents uh, hindered her from going to uh, the visions. When when they would get this calling to uh, come outside, um, unfortunately, Mary Cruz's parents didn't like the ridicule that they were getting from the village people or or visitors. So they started to hinder her from actually attending. So she lost the visions first. So she actually wound up moving about 100 miles uh, from Garabandel. 
And she occasionally visits there, but she's had very little to say. And her recollection of the apparitions that she did have uh, as an 11 year old are, are a little hazy. Um, Jacinta, uh, I'm friendly with her husband, especially, and, and one of her nephews. Um, she lives in California. Uh, she has appeared publicly from time to time. Um, you know, she speaks when uh, when asked, but it's it's not like she's going out of her way to, um, you know, to uh, proclaim anything new because most of them have already done interviews. They've already spoken. Everything's been recorded. Now, unfortunately for Conchita, she bears the burden of the, holding this date of the miracle. And she's going to announce that eight days in advance. And, you know, for the first 20 years after the apparitions, she did everything. She was on television. She did, you know, interviews. She did newspapers, magazines. And it's the same questions over and over and over again. So it, it came to a point where she basically stopped because she said, it, it's all in the books already. Everything you're asking me is already in the books. And, you know, people forget that her, her vocation in life was not only to be a visionary. You know, she became a mother, a wife. Um, you know, so she had a grandmother, you know, so she had other responsibilities and duties in life besides this. Um, but she actually did, uh, during the pandemic, um, obviously the world had never seen anything like this. And, uh, I was so concerned that I, I called her up and said, you know, if you want to, you may want to, you know, release a statement as to what your feelings are about the pandemic. And um, actually, the next day, she called me back and said, write this down word for word and 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 release it. And uh, I have that statement, if you'd like me to read it uh, for your Please listeners. Please do. Please do. Okay. I have to put on my glasses. <laughs> so I asked her this on uh, March 18th, and she released this statement. Of what year, March, March 18th? Uh, March 19th 2020. of 2020. Yes. Yeah. God is detaching us from the securities of this world. In the silence of the church or in our house, we are now able to make an examination of conscience so that we can clean whatever prevents us from hearing the voice of God clearly. With sincerity, we can ask God to tell us what he wants of us today and continue to do that every day and spend as much time as possible with God at church or sometime, or somewhere in your home or wherever you find silence. He is all we need. Hmm. Beautiful. You know, Glenn, I think the, the idea of a warning uh, is so needed today because people just, they don't even know what the truth is anymore. There's so much confusion, even in the church, even among clergy, as to truth, as to what sin truly is, that the warning is needed in such a huge way. In fact, there's a saying by, um, it was Billy Graham's wife who first said it, if, if God doesn't do something soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is, there's, there's a lot of truth in, in that saying, but the idea of a clarity of conscience, a one last 
clarity for people so that they have to decide finally in a way that they finally get it and understand what truth is and what evil is and what good is. Boy, is that ever needed today. Yeah, now more than ever. And unfortunately, um, one of the quotes from Mary Lilly, uh, she said that the warning will come when things are at their worst. Mm-hmm. So we're not even at that point yet. So hang on to your rosaries. Um, it's, it's, there's some difficult times coming. Awesome, Glenn. Well, thank you for that. Where can people go to learn more about Garbandel and uh, how can they reach out to you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's called The Message of Garavandel, and that's the English page. And if you go on that page and write to me, I have 14 other languages. If you know people in those languages, I can uh, direct you towards those pages. And I'm also on a site called Mother of God. Beautiful. Glenn Hudson, thank you so much for being with us. And may God bless you. John Henry, I thank you for this time and for a chance to uh, enlighten people as to the message of Garabandel and Mary's messages. Thank you and God bless your ministry. Thank you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. You know, for 25 years, we here at LifeSite News have worked tirelessly to bring you the best pro-life and pro-family reporting found anywhere else in the global movement for a culture of life. To celebrate our 25 years of serving you, we have officially launched our very special opportunity to all of our loyal subscribers here at the John Henry Weston Show. Beginning today, And for the next 14 days, you will have the chance to have a legacy of life with LifeSite News, directly supporting our mission to champion your deeply held values of life, faith, family, and freedom in our brand new milestone celebration, 25 years, a legacy of life. This opportunity will not be around for another 25 years. With so much fake news affecting our values today, what kind of legacy will you leave to those you love. We must bravely and proudly proclaim the truth, and now you can support our mission in this very special way. Don't wait. Join our mission and take advantage of our 25-year anniversary celebration. Click on the link below and join us as we celebrate 25 years, a legacy of life. Thank you.